Let me get into the message today. Uh, I want to begin this uh, message today with a question, and that question is this. Do you love Sundays? I didn't expect you to answer me back, but you can ask, answer me back if you want. Do you love Sundays? Uh, I love Sundays. It's probably not hard for you to imagine, but I absolutely love Sundays. And I'm not talking about the calendar day Sunday, but I'm talking about what Sundays represents. From as far back as I can remember, me and my family have been going to church on Sunday. And so for me, etched in my mind, etched in my heart, is an affinity and an appreciation uh, for Sundays. Now, I'll admit that as a young pastor, when I first started preaching and I was learning to preach, I would get real nervous and real stressed about Sundays. It would take me hours and hours and hours just to prepare one message, and it wasn't even a good message. And when we planted this church, Sundays were super stressful because, again, I had to preach every week, and I had to get used to that. And, of course, I'm running around as a recovering control freak trying to manage all the details. And so Sundays were stressful, but I've always loved Sundays, and I especially love them today because, you know, after 2020, after COVID robs us of so much as we had to shutter the doors for almost a year, I'm standing here today to tell you I have a new appreciation for Sundays. I have a new appreciation for this brick-and-mortar building. And at the beginning of COVID and during COVID, I realized that I might have overvalued this place. I was super bummed out that this place that we spent loads of money buying and remodeling, we were all of a sudden shut out and online exclusively, but I saw God move and keep us together despite not being able to gather. And so I realized at times that I had overvalued this building. But let me tell you that right now, I am working really hard to not undervalue this building because there are things that happen in this gathered meeting that can never happen anyplace else. We can have all the online services we want. We can get on Zoom and Slack and Hulu and Disney Plus, whatever. But nothing going to beat what we do here together in this house. This is a hub for in-person community. It's a hub for in-person corporate worship. It's a hub for gathering and discipleship where we get to see one another and we get to touch one another. And there is nothing that can quite replace what we've been doing here. Now, I said just a few short months ago, as we were all online only, I said it's never been easier to go to church, right? Just roll out of bed, pick up your phone, hit a few buttons, and you were at church. It never was easier to go to church. But let's face it, for many people, presently, it's never been harder to go to church than it is today. After all the COVID circumstances have conspired against us, and we have now quite innocently been weaned off of our need and rhythm for in-person regular gatherings. Now, I know there's some folks who are high risk and some folks who are dealing with situations and circumstances where they, it's best for them, it's wise for them, it's prudent for them to stay away. And I'm not talking about those folks today, but we know who we are that we have been weaned off of the rhythm 
of regularly connecting here in person. We have become preference-driven in a sense. And even though we can gather, even though we can meet, we found ourselves floating down the lazy river of the preference-driven life. And it's on occasions like this that I want to muster every ounce of pastoral authority, every ounce of pastoral influence, and aim it at this challenge to you this morning to get back in the game. To get back in the game. It's for that reason that I want to begin a brand new series this morning that I'm simply calling The Blessed Community. The Blessed Community. Folks, we are in the midst, and those watching online, you are a part of the Blessed Community. This community is a hallowed space. It's a sacred space. It's a blessed place where it's God's preferred vehicle to get the work done in the people so that those people who have been worked on can get to work out in the world. I'll say it again. The Christian community, this blessed community, God blesses and empowers because this is his chosen vehicle. This is his primary vehicle where he wants to get the work done in us so that once he's done a work in us, we can begin to do the work out there. And I want to challenge us this morning as members of this blessed community to begin to be devoted to this community again. And devoted simply means to give all or a large part of oneself, one's time, one's talents, one's energy, one's attention. And devotion is loyalty, love, and enthusiasm I like that word, enthusiasm, for a person, an activity, or a cause. And how many of you know it's not hard for me to tell what you're devoted to? Just show me your calendar. It's not hard for me to know what you're devoted to. Just show me your credit card, you know, statement. I'll tell you what you're devoted to. I'll watch and see what you get excited about. I want you to see what you will scarcely miss, and I'll tell you what you are devoted to. It's hard to fake devotion. You can fake it for a minute, but you can't fake it for a long time. My challenge and charge to you is to redevote yourself to the blessed community. Now, let me just say, I know there are folks here from all across the faith spectrum, right? Some of you are brand new to faith and you're just kicking the tires of faith and you're just trying to figure out what this is all about. Well, welcome, this applies to you. And there are those of you who you were born in the pew, you'll die in the pew. Uh, uh, this is for you as well. And the challenge for all of us today is to embrace a renewed devotion, particularly to Christian community. I'm simply calling this message this morning a renewed devotion, not just to God, but to his church, to Christian community, to the rhythm and the spiritual discipline of engaging Christian community, a renewed devotion. I said, preacher, why are you so forceful about this? Why are we even talking about this? I'll tell you why. Because life is harder when you're disconnected. Isn't that true? Life is harder when you're disconnected.
connected. The, the good life that God promises us in Scripture is harder to attain and it's most certainly harder to retain when you're disconnected from Christian community. And it's for that reason that I want us to press in. And I don't think when it comes to Scripture, we can talk in a comprehensive way about Christian community without looking at the early church in the book of Acts. And so if you would meet me in Acts chapter 2 this morning as we lean in. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to start at verse 42. And I'm actually going to hop over as well to Acts chapter 4. Feel free to follow along in your Bibles if you got your paper Bible in your old school also, if you have your tablets or your phones here today, you can do that. We'll also be projecting the um, scriptures on the screens. Acts chapter 2, while you find out, let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this gift of community. May we never, ever take it for granted. And Father, for those of us who have gotten out of rhythm, we have gotten out of practice, the circumstances of our life in the last year, has weaned us off the need to connect with you and others in the context of Christian community, Father, would you bring us back to center? I pray that as we open the word today, Father, that you would move the preacher out of the way. May I not obstruct what you want to say to your people. Would you put power on these words you've given me to speak so that your truth and your light might shine through? We ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to start at verse 42, and as I read along, especially if you're watching with us online, notice what you notice, notice what stands out, and if you uh, feel so inclined, go ahead and drop it in the chat uh, as we read along here. Acts chapter 2, Jesus has appeared by this time to his disciples. Um, he's given them the great commission to go into all the world and to make disciples. He's empowered them with the Spirit of God, and what we see after that point is the fruit of their obedience and we pick up here in Acts chapter 2. And it says, all the believers devoted themselves, there's that word, devoted themselves, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. Now we're going to hop over to Acts chapter 4, verse 32. And all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. This is a picture, friends, of the early church. It's one of my favorite texts. It's especially one of my favorite texts to come back to over and over and over because there's not a more comprehensive picture, friends, of what a healthy, thriving Christian community looks like. I want to pastor a church like this. This is a picture of the blessed community. A lot of good stuff happening here. And it's a helpful, healthy picture of Christian community. And one of the things that makes it so healthy is that it centers, this blessed community, it centers at least two things. It centers a connection to God and it centers a connection to people. 
It centers in this community a connection to God, and it centers a connection to people. One of the other interesting things that I see in this community at the end of verse 47, it says, and each day, each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. In other words, this blessed community with all of its health, with all of its good spirit-led activity, it was so attractive that not only the people that were in that community were being blessed, but those that found themselves on the outside of that community were being blessed, so much so that people were just clawing to get in. They so appreciated and so attracted to the things that were happening inside the blessed community that people each and every day were drawn to it. Friends, this is the type of community that we can have. And so as we jog through these texts today, I want to highlight four things about this community that jump out to me as we interact with this text. And I want to challenge you to lean in and get back into the game for the sake of the mission, for the sake of our souls, and for the sake of the souls who we've been called to draw into relationship with Jesus. There's four things I notice. The first thing I notice is that this community, they were devoted to good preaching. Somebody say good preaching. I love good preaching. And I love the fact that Luke centers preaching as one of the things that makes this blessed community healthy, strong, and attractive. They were devoted to good preaching and good teaching. Now, notice what I didn't say. Notice that I didn't say they devoted themselves to a good preacher. I didn't say that they devoted themselves to a good teacher who is skilled with words, who is slick and hip and dressed well had a way with his words, and he was funny, and he could make people laugh, or she could draw you in with, 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 with charisma and charm. I did not say that. What I said they were drawn to, what they had come to expect, what they would routinely gather around is good, solid preaching. You say, how do you know? Verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to it. They draw near to it. They come to expect it. Now, you might ask, well, what were these apostles teaching about? What was so interesting? Verse 33 says, the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. Now, you have to understand, these apostles who are preaching, they are fresh off three year or so intensive with Jesus. They had just completed an internship with Jesus who did all kinds of things, all kinds of miracles, who was wise beyond his years, who modeled how to live this kingdom life. He was the real deal. And then Jesus died like he said he would. And then Jesus got up like Jesus said he would. And I would submit to you today, if somebody dies and they get back up and they tell you to do something, do whatever they tell you. Even more, if they say they're going to die, and they point to prophecies that say they're going to die, and they say they're going to get up, and they point to prophecies that say they're going to get up, and they actually get up, you especially better do what they tell you. And so Jesus is using all of his post-resurrection influence and power and authority and swagger, 
and he aims it at the Great Commission. He gives it to them, and they respond to that. And so what they are preaching, they're pre preaching about Christ, crucified, resurrected, and reigning. This is all they're preaching about. Paul says it best in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. He says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except what? Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Paul says, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. Paul, by the way, is not a weak guy. This is not a part of his character. He's not some chump, right? Paul's forceful. He's a bad dude. But he willfully chooses to come in weakness, timidity, and trembling. And my message, Paul says, and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only, only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in what? In the power of God. Paul's an educated man. He said, I could talk that talk. He's a forceful guy. He's got all kinds of authority and swagger. But Paul says, I didn't want you looking at me. I don't want you impressed with me. I want you to press with the person I'm talking about. I want you impressed with the person I'm trying to draw you into a relationship. Paul said, I toned it down so that Christ might increase and I would decrease. And friends, if there was ever a time that we needed good, solid preaching, it is now. Maybe a few months ago, before half a million people died, and folks displaced and distressed, riots in the streets, maybe before then, we, we needed slick preachers to entertain us and tap dance on stages. But in this particular social climate, in this particular moment where people are dying, go to hell, you know what we need? We need preachers to stand flat-footed on these stages, open the book, and preach Jesus. To open the book and preach Jesus. Not try to be cute. Not try to be entertaining or hip or unduly tied to the culture. Plant your feet, preacher. Open the book and preach the risen Savior. Teach us how the books and the things in this book can transform my life so that I, when I go to work, when I go to school, when I can go out into the streets, I can transform the world around it, around me. This is what they came preaching. And people in this blessed community, they were drawn to that. They were drawn to that because that's one of the staples. In fact, verse 43 says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. They weren't sleeping. <laughs> they weren't texting. They weren't on Facebook unless they were watching the live stream. But they weren't doing that stuff. They, they, were, they were locked in. They didn't want to miss a word because the, 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 they were, the apostles, they, they came with the word every time they opened their mouths. And those words were coated with the power of God and it brought transformation and it brought healing. Awe came over them as the preacher preached. Are you in awe when the book is opened and preached? I'm not fishing for a compliment here. Uh, I'm not asking you, are you in awe of me? But this reverential 
connection to the word of God, the preached word of God? Is that your response? Is it your disposition that I dare not, dare not miss? When the word is opened and God's oracle, no matter who it is, whether it's me, whether it's Pastor David, whether it's Pastor Shannon, whether it's Yvette, or Pastor Jordan, or Pastor Nikki, doesn't matter who's giving it, I, might say, I, I, I dare not miss when the book is opened and the words go forth. You said, preacher, you don't understand. I'm so far from God right now. I, I'm a mess. Good. The last thing you need to do when you're a mess is take yourself out of the way of God's word. I know when we're tripping, when we're in our feelings, when we're wrapped up in things, the last thing you want to hear is a sermon. Especially if you believe that the Holy Spirit would come, come down your aisle and come down your row. And you're like, how did this preacher, my, did my wife text him? When you're in some mess, the last thing you want to hear is some, some scripture because the last thing you want to hear is some work because you know God's going to come and get your number. And the exact thing that you're into is the exact thing that the preacher's going to call out. And so some of you have strategically, after a year of just going down and down and down, you just say, listen, the last thing I want to hear is some preaching. But that's the first thing you need. Put yourself in the way over and over and over again of God's heart for you, his love for you, and his challenge for you. As the preacher stands flat-footed, opens the book, and calls you higher. See, preaches truth, or she preaches truth, truth that's hard to hear, but it's seasoned with grace that draws you back. The blessed community was devoted to good preaching and teaching. Second thing I noticed in this blessed community is that they devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship, along with good teaching and preaching and all of the apostles' teachings. Luke decides to include also that they did not forsake what? Fellowshipping together. In other words, they loved to hang out. They did not miss an opportunity to hang out together, to socialize. They couldn't get enough of one another. You say, hanging out, preacher? That seems deeply unspiritual. Oh, but it is. Because God uses the hanging out and the socializing in the context of Christian community to get a whole lot of stuff done. And fellowship can be best summed up this way. It's a friendly association of folks who routinely gather around a common interest. It's also, as one preacher put it, usually comprised of folks who wouldn't necessarily go on vacation together. Let that sink in for a second. So what do you mean? I think that what the preacher is trying to describe is that this group of people was generally so diverse that initially they wouldn't be hanging out together were it not for them gathering under the umbrella of faithful Christian community. There were folks from all different sides of the tracks, from different political persuasions. They had different worldviews. They were of different racial and ethnic groups. They were from different cultural backgrounds. They ate different foods, maybe even spoke different languages. They were from different socioeconomic backgrounds. But what brought them together was the magnetism of what was happening at the center of Christian community. 
the preaching and the power and the healing and the transformed lives drew all these different kinds of folks under the same roof, kind of like SSV. Making a case here for the multi-ethnic diverse church. We often call our faithful community here a love university because here you get schooled in the fine art of what? Loving people that you don't get to pick. And we say anybody can walk through these doors. Anybody. Somebody could come down the aisle on stilts juggling bowling pins. Anybody can walk through. And what are we tasked to do? We're tasked to love them. We're tasked to fold them in. And so this fellowship was different kinds of people who had gathered together under the, under, under the roof because they pressed into a common interest. And they were transformed because they loved each other so well. They were transformed because as they came from different corners of their community to worship together and to fellowship together, something strange but beautiful happened. They started to rub off on each other. They started to impact and affect one another in powerful ways. My guess is that these people were at varying stages of Christian maturity. And as the stronger brothers would, would, would fellowship with the weaker brothers, the weaker brothers got a sense, they got a picture of what they should become. And as the stronger sisters would, would, would hang out and, and fellowship and fraternize with the younger, weaker sisters, guess what? The, the younger, weaker sisters would say, well, uh, that's what I'm supposed to be. That's what a spiritual, mature woman looks like. That's what a godly man looks like. That's what I'm supposed to be aspiring to. They were rubbing off on each other in the context of Christian community. One of the beautiful things that happens in a place like this, in a space like this, is something I call positive peer pressure. My parents warned us not to succumb to peer pressure, but they meant the negative kind. But how many of you know in a fellowship like this, we enjoy Holy Spirit-led positive peer pressure? Some of you are a bum before you start hanging out with somebody who is headed somewhere. Some of you have made mess of your life and you've had things spoken over you and folks called you names and they say, you're going to be nothing, just like you're nothing daddy. You're going to be just like your mom. And all you knew were those words that are spoken over and you didn't even think better was possible. You didn't think people could stay married for more than two years. You didn't think you can raise godly kids and they grow up to bless you and bless the Lord. You didn't think that was possible, guess what, till you saw it. I think it was Bishop Jakes that said, we don't, we don't aspire to better, we don't know better until we see better. And one of the beauties and benefits of this faithful, blessed community that some of us have taken for granted at our own personal cost is that we've forsaken the positive peer pressure that happens in this community where you can actively see what you should be becoming relationally as it relates to how your married life and your parenting life, where you can see what it looks like to be a good steward of your finances and resources, where you can see how to healthy, in a healthy, godly way, manage your singleness. You didn't know it was possible. 
you need to know if it's possible that folks can hang together and not cut each other down. That people can be for each other and not against them. I'll never forget, many of you know, uh, Mickey, who used to go to this church, she, she, she just started going to our church out of the blue, and, and she just called me after a few months going to this church. Just, it was, I'll never forget the call. It was midday, the phone rang, and I answered the phone, it was Mickey. She said, Gino, is this for real? I had no idea what she was talking about. I said, Mickey, what are you talking about? She said, is this for, are y'all for real? Like, when are the married brothers going to start to slide in my DMs and try to connect with me? Like, when are the sisters going to start backbiting and, like, get real catty? Like, when, when, do you, when is the preachers going to get Hollywood and come out of a bag on us? Is this for real? And I can't tell you how many people I've encountered that have been, been in church their whole life, but have never been a part of a blessed community. Folks are for one another. With the, with the strife and the craziness that is the natural result of more than one human being in the same place gets dealt with in a healthy way. Well, we keep short accounts with one another and we try to live according to the Spirit and love each other well. Some folks have never experienced that. May it be so in this house. See, this is why this can't be a place for just for holy rollers. This just can't be a place for the put-together. Because as soon as you show up, the place isn't put together anymore. That's why there's got to always be somebody in here who, 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 who's just struggling. Who is all, it's all they can do to just get here. It's all they can do to just drag their raggedy self through that back door and sit maybe on the back row. I'm not trying to call out anybody on the back row with social distancing, right? It's all they can do. That's what we call ourselves a hospital. What a stupid hospital with just doctors in it. Who are they going to help? No, this place would be a fellowship where there are doctors and patients, and the patients are being treated, given a coat and a stethoscope so they can get the next one through the door. May it be so that this is a fellowship, not just a club for holy rollers. And one of the great spiritual tragedies of COVID-19 is that it scattered the church. And many of us stayed engaged as best we could, but some of us, a number of us, fell out of rhythm, became vulnerable, and have drifted. He drifted. You say, you talking to me, preacher? I don't know. Am I talking to you? This is no shade, but I'm saying if you're drifting, you're drifting. If you're out of rhythm, you're out of rhythm. If you're indifferent toward this thing that God has stationed in your life to be of help to you, and not that be, a, be of help for you, that you would partner with to be of help with somebody, if you've drifted from that, just say, I drifted, and stop drifting. This is important. This is necessary. This could save your life. You need this. Your spouse needs this. Your kids need this. Your community needs this. Fellowship. They couldn't get enough of each other. We're thankful for the online setup. Thankful for the chat function. But there is a measure of what happens here that you can't get online. 
can't Skype or Zoom this in. You need fellowship. So they devoted themselves to preaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. And this third one, I thought, man, maybe this goes without saying. Maybe I can skip it, but I, I dare not skip it. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. Apostles teaching, to fellowship. Oh, that's cool. And they did not forsake the talking to God out loud in front of other people. Of course, they likely submitted themselves to private personal prayer. Uh, but I believe that this speaks of the corporate-like family prayer where they prayed to God on behalf of the community. They prayed for the sick. They prayed for God's blessing and his favor. After all, this is the beginning of the early church. They were being persecuted under threats from all sorts of haters around them. And they prayed regularly to God in a, prayer, a church that is void of prayer and seeking God together just simply won't thrive. It won't be a blessed community. And let me just say that I don't know how we get through 2020 without prayer. Couldn't gather, but we would gather the Zoom family prayer. I don't know if it's Tuesday night or Thursday night. And some of us, myself included, just hearing somebody else pray when you're in a tight, tough spot and you've been furloughed and the cancer has come back, many of us would just weep on that call because there's something about the gathered body lifting their voices to God and pressing into prayer. 2020 marked by death and riots and unrest and unprecedented isolation and financial insecurity and depression and all sorts of things. We did, the only thing we knew how to do was just press into Jesus and to do that together. And the Lord met us. He met us every single time. And in this house, we, we only do a couple things here. We hang out, we preach, we sing, and we pray. We do very little else. We hang out, we preach, we sing, and we pray, and we gather and do that all over again. And there's power in that. They devoted themselves to prayer within the context of that fellowship community. Preaching, fellowship, prayer. Fourth and final one, probably my favorite one on the list, is that they devoted themselves to mutual care. Mutual care. There's a selflessness involved with mutual care. There's a tender Holy Spirit power wrapped up in mutual care. Or I resign my, I lay down my right to care for myself because I trust that you are caring for me. And that you lay down your right to be self, selfish and care for yourself and instead choose to care for me. And imagine a whole community of people doing that the power in that. Chapter 2, verse 44, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. 
They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Verse 32, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. Verse 34, there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. This community was marked by a selfless generosity. And needs didn't hang around for very long. And this community would develop an eye to spot need, and they would move collectively and swiftly to meet it. I tell you often that we are called to be the answer to somebody's prayer and not the cause of it. We're talking about the blessed community. And this is a game changer. And the lone wolves who drift from community are at the mercy of the enemy. They're not only at the mercy of being overcome by, their, uh, uh, by the sin that they might wrap themselves into, but they're also at the mercy of being in need emotionally, spiritually, and naturally, and nobody knowing about it. And my heart aches because I know that people in this community have drifted and they're somewhere under attack from the enemy. They're somewhere alone on a hopeless road to nowhere with their salvation up to them. And they're dealing with fixable problems and meetable needs as they're alone somewhere away from the blessed community. There's something about those who press into this and can lay their pride down and show their needs. Something about those of us who are on our feet and able being moved by selfless generosity to meet those needs, I would that this community be that place. And guess what? I believe it is. Can I tell you how pleased I am to serve here? How proud I am to tell people where I pastor? Especially after this year, the generosity that I've seen, the way that you all have cared for one another, it makes me emotional at the very thought of it. I'm humbled to serve here, and I just want to read a few stories from folk in this community who have enjoyed the mutual care of the South Suburban Vineyard Church. This is Zena Bryant's story. She says, I was re-diagnosed with cancer in August of 2020 during the midst of the COVID pandemic. I felt somewhat alone and isolated. I shared this news with Pastor Shannon and Gino. They rallied all of you, SSV. You called me. You emailed me. You brought me groceries. And you offered meals and to run any needed errands. So one of the most emotional things done was a showering of cards all at once. She says, I laughed and cried as I read the cards and your words. I felt beyond encouraged. I tried to write each of you back to let you know how much I appreciated your thinking of me 
And some of you have even kept the cards coming. She says, even in the midst of a pandemic, I have felt surrounded, supported, and cared for by my SSV community. Because of still undergoing chemotherapy and other underlying conditions, I cannot now attend in-person worship. However, the way in which we as a church interact via social media has kept me feeling connected. Thank you, SSV, for being the hands and feet of Jesus in my life. Y'all rock. I want to read one more from our community life pastors, uh, Jordan and Nikki Arsenault. Uh, many of you know their daughter, Joy, is uh, going through a bit of a cancer crisis as well. Nikki and Jordy, Jordan write this. As community life pastors, we thought we knew the importance of community. But it wasn't until we walked through our own crisis where we saw the powerful impact and necessity of a church that functions as a family. As many of you know, on November 9th, 2020, our three-year-old daughter, Joy, was diagnosed with leukemia after having a long-lasting fever. What we thought would be a quick trip to the ER ended up becoming a defining moment in our lives. The feelings of dread and fear of the unknown settled on us like a spiritual attack that night. But in the midst of our darkest moments, our SSV family was there to treat our despair as doctors began to treat our daughter. From groceries to watching our two older boys to deliveries in the hospital, to a sea of cards and messages, we were surrounded with so much love. And after she was discharged from the hospital, the love and support continued through meals on chemo days, money for hospital parking, and even repairs on our sidewalk. One of the most touching moments was when one of our SSV members who had survived cancer themselves gave Joy a blanket that she herself acquired while at the end of her treatment. These acts of generosity and kindness literally carried us through on days when we just wanted to run away. They remind us that we are not in this fight alone, that we are loved and cared for and thought of often. Joy has a long way to go, and we know that our SSV family will continue to care for us during what has become the hardest part of our lives. We are truly grateful for how the church takes care of one another in times of great need, Jordan and Nikki. This is who we are. Now, everybody's not going through cancer. Some folk just need a hug. Somebody just needs somebody to listen to them, and a shoulder to cry on, or some food in the cupboards. And I think we can over-spiritualize this body of believers. When the Lord has put us in each other's life to care for every need that might be present in our lives. And what you miss out on when you take this for granted is the opportunity to be on either end of mutual care. You miss out on the opportunity to be cared for, and you said, that's fine, uh, but I don't really need anything. But what about your call and challenge to be a person who cares for somebody? In this blessed community, we receive and respond to the need for mutual care. Now, how do we put this all together? Worship team, you can come up. 
How do we sum up this renewed devotion to Christian community after all 2020 has put us through? I could sum it up in two words. Commitment and impact. Commitment and impact. Commitment speaks to what you do regardless of how you feel. Commitment means that's what I'm supposed to do no matter what side of the bed I roll out of. Commitment speaks to what I'm supposed to do even in the face of more attractive options. Commitment speaks to what I'm called to do even when I don't feel like it. And this really is important for us to grapple with as many of us just, we just don't feel like going to church as regularly or even half as regularly as we used to. As ministries are starting to open up, as next week we start to relax some of the mass requirements and the following month we open up Kids Church and start to get some of our regular ministries, many of you would reflect that you've gotten out of the habit of serving and you haven't been eager to sign up to watch kids again in Kids Church or to come and make coffee, right? Or to be in this blessed community, receiving and responding to needs. You just maybe don't feel like it. But this is where commitment comes in. Commitment says you can count on me whether I want to or not. You can count on me whether I feel like it or not. The other word is impact. Impact. When you join a church, you're supposed to make an impact. They're supposed to know you're in the building. And they're supposed to know when you leave. Impact. You say, preacher, how do I know if I've made an impact or not? Well, when something comes crashing into the earth, they don't know how big an impact it made until they remove that thing and see what, the hole, what kind of hole is left. And some of you have been to church for years. And you could slip out of the back door and nobody would know. And they would probably know because they care about you, because they're good Christian folks. But nobody would have to scramble to replace the finances that are now missing. Nobody would have to scramble for, to fill the spots where all the places you were serving because you came, you took, you partook, but you didn't make an impact. And so I believe that the word for us today is that we would not just casually roll into Christian community, but we would come, we would come roaring back. You say, Pastor, put me where you need me. Where's the hole? I'll fill it. Where's the need? I mean, who needs a hug? Make sure people want to hug before you hug them. Maybe you shouldn't hug during, during the pandemic. Don't hug anybody, right? <laughs> that we would come roaring back, and you would be the type of community member that if you should leave, We'd feel it. If you should disappear, if the Lord should call you on, we'd miss you. We'd have to scramble to cover all the places you've been encouraging and sowing and loving and working in the vineyard, right? Impact. Impact. So you can start by just showing up. Show up. You say there's limited capacity. Listen, let there be a line outside of the door. Let there be a waiting list. May you take, again, a systematic approach to connecting with this house. Maybe you can't come every week. 
But don't leave it to chance. You say, on the first and third, I'm going to be there. On the second and fourth, I'm going to be there. Or the first and fourth, like put it on your calendar right now since you got to register. Show up. Be counted. Be present. Show up to small group. Sign up for beginnings. Our membership class, some of you have been like feeling like you want to stay on the fence and God's urging you towards making this thing permanent, making a commitment. Sign up for beginnings classes. It happens in a couple of weeks. Listen, we're reopening things. We need help. Many people aren't here because their kids can't be in kids' church. And they have little kids. Well, guess what? We're trying to fix that in a month. We need help. Sign up for a ministry. And we'll tell you more about that as, we, as the weeks go on. But listen, there's no time like the present to lean in again. Blessed community. We're supposed to be committed and devoted to this. Join me as we come, as we come roaring back. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the preached word of God. Thank you for fellowship. Thank you for prayer. Thank you for the mutual care that we receive in this house. And God, give us the grace and the wisdom and the courage as we come roaring back. For those of us who become indifferent and complacent, Father, would you shake us, stir us. Turn us to the rhythms and the patterns that kept our heart close to you. Restore us to the, the degree of intense uh, obedience and surrender that constantly positioned us to be of service to those who needed us most. Empower us to carry out your mission in this community. May we come roaring back. And may we all press into a renewed devotion to this blessed community. Come Holy Spirit, empower us. Do what only you can do. We ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen.